Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Don't you just love it? Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Cruising right along on a Thursday morning. Welcome back to Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. Currently 41 degrees, sunshine. We're looking at intervals of clouds and sunshine today with a high of 67 degrees. Wow. Tonight, increasing clouds with a low of 42. And then tomorrow for your Friday, showers possible with a high of 61 degrees. We're talking plenty of hoops in hour number two as we'll... Bring in Sean Coleman in just a second on the Grizzlies. Then Parth Upajai will join us in studio to talk Tigers basketball. And then in hour three, it's all about the pigskin, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl inside college football hour. We are in the Family Leisure Studios, Family Leisure. Their Christmas sale continues at 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the second hour of the program is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. They're your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters. Look, there's options in the jewelry world. You got the big box stores. You got some of the big name national brands. You also have local jewelers like James Gaddis Jewelers who have been a part of the fabric of this community for years and years. Started way back, decades ago, on Summer Avenue and have been at that Poplar Avenue location for the last quarter century if you want that one-on-one you want people to take care of that jewelry throughout the lifetime of the jewelry you need a cleaning you just bring it on in you need a resetting you know fingers swell and they get smaller when you lose weight and all of a sudden your ring doesn't uh, fit anymore they'll fix that for you that's what they do at james gaddis jewelers they are your bridal engagement and anniversary jeweler headquarters james has all the credentials he's a master jeweler Certified appraiser, diamondologist, and he's graded by the Gemologist Institute of America. So if you're looking for that special ring, that engagement ring, wedding rings, uh, financial, personally designed wedding sets, or any of their other jewelry like watches and bracelets, necklaces, earrings, estate and vintage jewelry, they'll buy your gold, silver, and diamonds. It's James Gaddis Jewelers, 4900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. They're the second hour sponsor each and every day of Sports 56 Mornings. Time now to talk some Grizzlies as promised. He is Sean Coleman, writer and podcaster for Bluff City Memphis. You can follow him on Twitter at Stats, S-A-C. He's also terrific with the numbers, and that's why we like to have Sean on the show. Sean, happy holidays to you. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, Greg and Eli, I hope y'all are well. I, I do apologize. A bit of a difference between the last time I talked with y'all and now, I've got a got a little one here so if you hear any, <laughs> any any noise in the background it's just him waking up but it's good to be with y'all again well congrats and congratulations on that is this your, your, you. your first child uh yes sir yes sir our, our first one he's uh, about to be four months old so so yeah he's a He's a joy, as I'm sure y'all know. So, yeah, but thank you very much for the kind words. Absolutely. Your life's a-changing, my friend. Your life's a-changing. But you continue to pound out stats and numbers. You're a great follow for any fan of the Grizzlies. Uh, also, Sean is big into baseball with the Atlanta Braves. But for this purposes, it's all about the Grizzlies. How historic of a night, statistically-wise, number-wise, was Jaron Jackson Jr.'s performance last night as he went off and scored 44? Well, it was it was pretty historic. Uh, I uh, uh, first off, shout out to uh, Rob Fisher and the, and the broadcast team. I, I was very uh, excited to hear the, the shout out 
Um, it, it was historic at, at one point. Uh, they wound up changing a stat after the game that, that kind of um, made the uh, made the rarity of his performance a little bit less rare. But the point is, is that you know you have seen Jaron Jackson Jr. over his past two games score forty plus points. I mean, if we want to talk about rarity in the history of the Grizzlies franchise, he now has you know for anybody not named John Moran, he's got forty four forty plus point games in his career. Only Jaw has more. Him and Jaw are the only ones to have multiple forty games in the season. Him and Jaw are the only ones to have consecutive back-to-back games and then when you look at his 40-point performance at being back-to-back and you look at the fact that you know hey um it it, it, what other players have done this at his age it's all great kobe bryant among others but but the big key to me overall is the five-game stretch that he's had right now And, and and people want to talk about oh okay you know well you know what is he doing outside of scoring his defense may not be where it's been you know this year where it was last year but over his past five games, you know, in terms of points scored, threes, defensive activity, and just the quality of his shot, only LeBron James and James Harden in NBA history have done what Jaron Jackson Jr. has done over his past five games. And to make it even more, you know, valid is the fact that he, in four of those five games, it's come against top 15 NBA defenses. So with Jaron now getting more defensive attention than he usually has in the past and he now is also has less help around him. It just further validates how just awesome it is to see his offense, and it's definitely great to see with the fact that he struggled, you know, the early part of this season. That to me, like, is going into last night when Bain was out. I'm thinking, oh gosh, I mean, they basically all they got to do is say, all right, let's just make sure Jackson doesn't go off, and that's for him to do that last night without Bain and with very little help. That to me was really impressive, and and we've seen this. It, we saw, you know, sometimes last year, but when he gets to that aggressive mindset of I'm going to go to the rim, like he's hard to stop at that size with that athletic ability. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the other thing that stands out, Eli, this year is the fact that there has been a significant, you look at it on film, you look at it from numbers, there is a significant improvement in, in consistency of Jaron creating his own shot. You know, um, at cleaning the glass, they they, they measure you know, how often a player, how, how much, uh, how big of a percentage of their made shots did they create on their own? You know, the only two bigs, the only two post players in the NBA right now that are creating, you know, their shots at a 80th percentile or better compared to the rest of the league is Joel Embiid and, and Jaron Jackson Jr. And the reason why that's important is because what it means is, is that no matter how much defensive attention you, you pay them, they're going to still be able to create their own opportunities because they're not having to rely on their other teammates. Mm. So that's what really has stood out this year is the fact that Jaron, the confidence, the overall versatility and ability going downhill, post-up, he's the best isolation scorer in terms of per-possession production in the NBA this year. The confidence in him creating his own opportunities is basically what's making him you know, still be able to produce besides you know, the defensive attention he's being paid. So while we've seen from time to time a player or two step up, you're not expected to step up uh, with with the Grizzlies, especially with these makeshift lineups, it's basically been Jaron Jackson Jr. and Des Bain through these first 23 games until Ja comes back uh, for Game 26. So we just talked about Tripp and what he has done. 
Des Bain is having a career season. He is having an all-star type season. It's unfortunate he missed last night's game because of an illness, and hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. But what kind of numbers, Sean, do you have on Des? What you, what can you tell us about his career season? Yeah. So uh, it, when it comes to when it comes down to Des, basically what it is is that you know you're not only seeing the fact that he's scoring, you know, at, at a pretty high rate. His overall metrics, the quality metrics, are a bit down. But that's just simply because of how much he's being used. But when you compare, you know, I did a stat the other day. I believe it was uh, 25 points, 5 assists, um, I want to say uh, three threes and a steal per game through the first 20 games of a season. And I compared Dez to other players who have done that in NBA history. Of the 19 players that had done what he had done through the first 20 games this year, 18 of them had made the All-Star game in their respective season, and 15 of them made All-NBA. The problem is, is that you've got so many people now in this offensive age that are doing much better than in the past, it's going to be harder to do. But the point that I'm getting at is is that when you look at the numbers, Desmond Bain is definitely on an all-star trajectory, and you also have to feel as if he'll be able to maintain that. Because we've been able to see him and Jaw, they can coexist to where Bain can still average 20-plus points a game, probably five assists, maybe give you that steal and block per game. And if he continues that level of production, as long as he stays healthy, then I think you have an all-star season. But it's not just about the scoring. It's the three-point shooting, top five in the NBA, and uh, three-pointers made, but also the extra facilitation that's there as well. And the defensive activity has improved also. So next week, the Grizzlies will have to make a decision when Jock comes back as far as the roster is concerned. Somebody has to go. Um, from your perspective, um, who do you think that person should be that is let go? It's Kenneth Lawson Jr. and 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 I I know that, that, that there are there are many within Grizz Nation who you know love Kenneth Lofton Jr. You know they love the skill set. I, I do as well. I think that uh, Kenneth Lofton Jr. Especially with his profile, especially you know uh, it's not just you know his his overall ability, you know his footwork, his his offensive ability, his mindset. There he he's got a good offensive skill set, especially for the type of profile that he is. But it's just not there for Kenneth Lofton Jr. here. If he's not been able to carve out any type of stable rotation minutes, despite the fact that we missed all these players and we've had all these injuries so far this year, and he still hasn't been able to carve out an opportunity, it's just not there for him in the present. It's likely not there for him in the future. So naturally, his roster spot, there are more valuable options that could be taking that roster spot Certainly don't want to see someone that many, you know, Ingrid's Nation you know, love to see play, but he just does not add a lot of value overall on the court, and therefore, now I think his time is drawing to an ear as a member of the Grizzlies. You have been tweeting an awful lot about Vince Williams. I have been talking an awful lot about Vince, about Vince Williams and have been since he was drafted. He has not obviously been given that opportunity now because of necessity he has. What has he done that you like so much? It's it's the high level of play, and you've seen this before at times from a John Conchar. You've seen it before from an Xavier Tillman. You've seen it before from others. And I know that I'm mentioning names that right now, you know, Xavier Tillman last night got a DMP, surprisingly. What does that say about his future? John Conchar has been in and out of the rotation. The reason why Vince Williams stand out is because there's a high floor. In the higher picks that the Grizzlies have tried this year, from Zaire Williams to David Roddy to Jake Laravia, they have definitely tried to get as much out of them as they can. But not only are they not getting any value, they're getting negative value when they're on the court. With Vince Williams, his defense, at the very least, is going to add positive value. You know, I, I wrote an article for Blood City Media about how 
Vince Williams did an incredible job on Luka Doncic the other night. The numbers when he's in the lineups that he's in when he's on the court, their defensive production is significantly better than when he's off the court. But the other thing is he's starting to hit threes. I think 40% are better from three over his past seven games. So he doesn't do a lot, but what he does when he's on the court is effective and it plays towards winning. And he also is a player that helps our best players play better. Jaron and Desmond are significantly better when Vince is on the court versus when he's off. So he's a high-level player in terms of a high-floor player, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, plays excellent defense, and right now the Grizzlies need any positives they can get. He's providing those positive numbers when he's in the game. My son agrees. The one thing he needs to do is he needs to cut back on the fouls a little bit. (laughs) He he does. He definitely does, yes. And, and, And I will say this, the fouls definitely need to cut back, but for right now I would much rather him be aggressive like he is and learn how to contain that in time than be timid like we've seen others, like, for instance, Sheikh Arabia be. So, you know, I agree with you, fouls need to cut back, but, you know, hey, the physicality of his defense, sometimes it'll lead to fouling out, but sometimes it leads to excellent defensive play like he showed the other night against Lizza. The With especially Zaire um, and LaRavia as well, because they're, the, you know, Roddy, it seems like, is going to be a part of the rotation kind of regardless, but is there any any reason right now to believe that Zaire and or Laravia are going to be able to to figure things out and and be able to be contributors down the road? It it's hard, and 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 I I, I badly want for both of them to be there because I, I do believe that theoretically, or you know, in the flashes that we've seen, I think Jake Laravia has good shooting skills in it. I just don't think that right now the confidence is there for him to really put that on display. And with Zaire, listen, I think he's a good spot-up shooter. He's shooting well from the corners, you know, this year from three. But Zaire himself, he does not add enough value when it comes to him being as a scorer to make up for the fact that he's just not adding value hardly anywhere else. Earlier this year, we saw the rebounding. You know, that was encouraging. But it's telling that whenever he's on the court, the Grizzlies are consistently playing losing basketball. That is a pretty telling sight. You know, I just talked about how Dez and Jaron, when they're on the court with Vince, they play better than when he's off. Well, mm-hmm. when Dez and Jaron are on the court with Zaire, they're playing worse with him on the court than when he's off. So it's kind of the reverse of Vince Williams Jr., and that's why the necessity has been there for Vince, is that you're just getting so little out of Jake and Zaire to the point that you're actually seeing them have a negative impact, that why Vince is, is so valuable right now He's making a positive impact. But now, I'll be honest, they're still going to get opportunity just because of the money committed this year and next year. But it's also, you know, come to the point for the Grizzlies to where, especially if they want to continue trying to win this year, they've got to find more productive players, and that's just not fair right now with Arabia and Zaire. And it's hard to really have faith that it'll happen in time uh, as we move forward. Sean Coleman joining us from Bluff City, Memphis writer, podcaster. You can follow him on Twitter at StatsSAC. Great follow especially for all you Grizzlies fans out there. So last night, we were talking about this uh, in our first hour. 10 of 38 from three, 26.3% as a team. We know that Des Bain has shot the three ball well. We know that Kennard is capable. He started out slow this year, and then he got hurt. But the numbers cannot be good. And I'm not sure if you've crunched numbers as far as three-point shooting, where this team stands compared to other Grizzlies teams, but I can't imagine it's good. Yeah, in terms of frequency... You know, that's was that's been a point of emphasis for um, uh, Coach Jenkins is that you know with with the injuries that occurred, especially with the fact that we were going to be without 
um, you know, Stephen Adams and Brandon Clark, which was going to hurt our ability to win the possession battle like we had in the past, to, you know, win the two-point battle like we had in the past. He wanted to see what we could do for three, and the frequency is there. But, yes, the accuracy just simply is not. One of the big things that right now is hurting the Grizzlies, in my opinion, is the fact that I, I feel like they're getting the shots that they want, especially when you look at the fact that they're starting to get more corner three mm-hmm. this year than they usually do, which typically are your more open, higher percentage looks. They're just not making them. You know, it, it, one big thing that could really work out for this team is if our bigs can start to make the corner three. But we've seen Xavier Tillman struggle with it, Jaron Sanchez-Aldama struggle with it. If we could get the corner threes going again, that could help. Kennard and Smart can help in that situation. But, yes, in terms of the overall ability to shoot the three, um, if we could just ever get to being league average in that specific category, I really think you would start to see our offense take off in terms of what it's doing right now. But in terms of us you know, potentially being a top three or a top ten team in the league when it comes to three-point production, that's hard to see. But I will say that with the playmaking of Jaw, the additional playmaking of Marcus Smart, and seeing Kennard come in and everybody else kind of fit into the roles, I think you'll see the three-point shooting improve. And, and, and I believe I mentioned this before, under Taylor Jenkins, I believe we have a nearly 87-88% winning percentage best in the NBA when the Grizzlies shoot 35% or better from three. If we could just simply get back to shooting 35% or better or three, that could be a big boost to help us win consistently. He is new daddy Sean Coleman, writer, podcaster for Bluff City, Memphis. You can follow him on Twitter at StatsSAC. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Congratulations again, Sean, and thank you as always for being with us. No, no problem at all. And Eli, Merry Christmas to you. Greg, I would wish you the same, but your Phillies beat my Braves for the second straight <laughs> year. So ha- happy, happy holidays to you, Greg. Thank, thank you very much. Guys. I understand. Thank you, Sean. I guess there'll be coal in my stocking if uh, Sean's going to be delivering. By the way, so I talked earlier about the, the Grizzlies percentage on the wide open threes, which is 34.9%, which is uh, last of the league on wide open threes. So if you only counted their wide open threes, which again in the NBA, that is no defender within six feet of the shooter. If you took away every other three, every contested three, any other three, Mm -hmm. just counted their wide open threes versus every other team's every three they attempt, the Grizzlies would still be 24th in the league in shooting threes. Wow. You're saying the other teams, all their threes. Count every three they shoot. Contested, heaves at the buzzer, anything. Count all of their threes. For the Grizzlies, only take the wide open ones. Nobody within six feet of them. That They would be 24th in the league in three-point percentage. I don't like mean to be I don't mean to be cruel, but there's a bunch of bricklayers on that. Like that's, <laughs> that's how bad it is. Like again, they're getting the shots. They're getting the shots they want. They get the number of wide open right. threes they get per game is fine. Like they that's they're right there. The one of the they get some of the most. I think they're like sixth or I'd say maybe fifth or sixth in the league in the number of wide open threes they get per game. They just don't make them. Like they're they're the worst in the league at making wide open threes. So that's again you see because people are like well when Jock comes back you know he creates some open shots for they're getting the open shots they just don't make them no right the hope but you're is gonna get Kennard, Kennard gonna get can smart. come back and yeah. make them because mm-hmm. you know, obviously he's probably the best he's the best shooter in that situation he's one of the best in the league but in I mean the these other guys it's just it's it's just insane how bad they are mm-hmm. at shooting not just threes wide open threes is is crazy sunrise. For a great breakfast, that is the place to go. 
great lunch as well. Of course, they're known for their breakfast. The original location at 670 Jefferson Avenue, Sunrise East on Poplar Avenue in East Memphis. You can go in and enjoy any of those great breakfast dishes from the, the kitchen sink to any of those great biscuit sandwiches. Their uh, biscuits, which they make right there in-house, those big square biscuits. I love the P-Love, which is the fried bologna egg and cheese, but they've got your sausage egg and cheese, bacon egg and cheese. They've got all of those different options for you. They've got their breakfast bowls. They've got the three amigos, tacos, all kinds of great items on that breakfast menu. And then the lunch menu as well with some great sandwiches and salads and much, much more. Sunrise, located again, 670 Jefferson Avenue, the original in East Memphis, Sunrise East, online, sunrise901.com. You can order online for pickup to make it very easy for you to pop on in, grab your food, and be on your way from Sunrise. What type of player is Penny Hardaway getting in Naquan Tomlin, and when will he be ready to go? Hopefully, with some of the answers, we'll be our next guest after the timeout. We'll be talking with Parthu Pajai, who covers the Memphis Tigers basketball squad for the Daily Memphian. He's next. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again. Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 829 the time. Just about halfway home on this Thursday edition of Sports 56 Mornings. As I mentioned to start the show, a couple of huge press conferences are coming up uh, for the media, not for the public. Uh, Tomorrow, John Morant's going to meet the media. As he gets closer and closer to actually getting back on the court for the Grizzlies, that will happen on Tuesday in New Orleans, knock on wood. And then tomorrow, or make that today, Penny Hardaway is going to meet the media as well. That includes the two of us, but also our guest, Parth Upajai, who joins us now. He covers Memphis Tigers basketball for the Daily Memphian, and he's been a great guest for us, and we appreciate you joining us, Parth. The question is, and I know yesterday that Penny started to make the rounds basically to promote the game on Saturday. It should, seemed like it, yeah. It shouldn't need any promotion. That that place should be packed, and hopefully it will be. They've been trying hard to promote it, selling these mini packs and all Absolutely. kinds of stuff, man. And, and that's what you need to do. They need to, it's sure. going to be a whiteout, so hopefully a huge crowd, maybe even a sellout against a nationally ranked team in Clemson. Should be a sellout, yep. Tuesday, Virginia. You know, it's, it's during the week, a little bit tougher with, with school and with uh, work and all that, but it should be a big crowd as well on Tuesday. But my point is, that Penny made the rounds, and of course, he's asked about the latest news, which we'll talk to you about with Naquan Tomlin, and he sidestepped it. So he didn't say anything about that. He didn't really say anything about Jordan Brown. So let me, let me ask you, first of all, what have you heard about when this guy will be able to practice with the team? When will he be enrolled in school and then subsequently be able to actually play for the Tigers? Yes, I think it all starts with the enrollment in school. You know, obviously he's initiated that process of becoming a University of Memphis student officially, becoming enrolled, be- becoming um, accepted right into the university. 
Um, but nothing can happen until that, right? Until he's in the student directory formally, until he's you know an actual member of the student body, you know, of the University of Memphis. He can't practice. He can't play with the team. Um, which is why it always seemed like playing Saturday, although fans seemed to speculate or, or hope or wish whatever, it seemed far fetched, right? Like this all was announced. He committed late Monday night. It was announced Tuesday. So at the very at the earliest, let's say they initiated the process, you know, what, Tuesday start of business, right? It was at 8 a.m. You know, there's no guarantee that he'll even be enrolled by by the end of the week, by end of business on Friday. He could be. But even if he is, would would Penny throw a guy out there that's been a part of his program for what four days at that point? Three I don't days? believe so. I, I wouldn't, right? Like they've got a good thing going there, and Penny kind of alluded to that on the radio with Jason and John. He said that you know for right now he's focusing on his guys um, and getting them ready to play because you know they've they've looked good, quite frankly. The do they have to wait for him to be enrolled to even announce? Like, can can he sign and they because they haven't even announced it officially yet? Do they have to wait for his enrollment to announce it? That part I am unsure about, if I'm being honest with you. I know that, obviously, goes without saying that Penny or, or anybody with the program can't publicly speak yeah. on it until he's signed on that dotted line, which is why, you know, um, Jason Smith yesterday on the on his radio, radio show kind of asked, you know, asked the question in a weird way. Use the word uh, reinforcements rather than, you know, saying Naquan right. Tomlin by name. We, um, we had Andy Borman on, as we do every Wednesday, uh-huh. assistant coach, and we also I, had to go in kind of incognito yep. with the wording of things. Yeah, yep, I heard Andy on your show the other day. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure about that as far as, you know, if they can um, put out a press release, if they can, you know, formally announce it without him being a student. Um, because I would, say, I, don't, I, would say, I would think you would be able to because you do it with signees all the time. They're not students yet when you sign. So I don't, that's why I don't, it's weird to me that they haven't announced it. I don't, I don't understand why it hasn't been announced. I mean, I'm sure there's a process there, even even without him being a student, like the fact that, you know, he has to sign and has to go through some kind of administration office thing. Um, so there's probably something there that has to be, you know, signed, sealed, delivered before they can come out and say, hey, this guy's part of our team. Well, Jeff Crane, who's on our show weekly, again, I keep dropping names here, deputy athletic director for the University of Memphis. He talked about uh, a, a number of things that he has to do. And again, he, he didn't we didn't word it with. In, in uh, specifics, we didn't say Naquan Tomlin, mm-hmm. but we talked in generalizations about w- what happens in a situation like this. And he said they still got to you know get things done with the NCAA. and get, So there's a lot of things that they have to do. It seems like it'd be simple. Just, hey, enroll. You can do it online. It take, like should, it take two, should take right. two seconds to enroll. But you got to make sure everything is complete. Obviously, he graduated over the weekend. Uh, everything is... Um, um, Fine in your standing with the NCAA and all that. So I don't know all the things that happened, but I know it's not as simple as just here, sign, boom, you're you're on. There's so many little administrative things. Like even if we're looking at it from a broad perspective, right? Like he has to become a student. He has to um, compliance. Yeah, has to go through you know the athletics compliance office. You know for him right. to you know formally be a part of the program. But even um, at a micro level, I'm sure there's so many you know T's to cross and, and I's to dot that we don't even know about. Okay, so. You had a chance to run down his junior college coach at Chipola College, a name that's very familiar to people around here, Donnie Tyndall. Yep. And you talked to Donnie about the player, Naquan Tomlin. So out of that conversation, what type of player do you believe Penny Hardaway is getting? Yeah, he's getting a player that's, you know, even though he's in year four of college, is continuing to evolve, continuing to become better. Um, might not be a finished product yet, right, still. Um when they found him at Chipola, it's crazy. Uh, Donnie told me that one of his coaching buddies who coached high school basketball in New York City just happened to be in the same gym when guys were just playing pickup ball in the summer. Saw this guy, 
uh, that looked raw but could jump out the gym, you know, uh, could run with the best of them, uh, could handle the ball like a guard at 6'7 at that point, 6'8, um, and made the call to Donnie and said, hey, I know you're in your first year at Chipola. You're trying to build something. This guy might be somebody you want to build with. So then Donnie brings him in. Um, I want to say it was about a month, two months into the season. He's like, man, can this kid even do anything for us, right? Like, is he just a, a project that's going to take longer than he expected? Is it, is it somebody that can contribute? Um, and sure enough, uh, Naquan Tomlin was able to turn a corner into the season and, and become who he was for that team to help them get to the the I think it's the the JUCO Final Four there, right? Like mm-hmm. the JUCO Division One Final Four. Um, and that second year, he was obviously a honorable mention All American, and the rest is kind of history, right? He goes to Kansas State, is the third option uh, behind Marquise Noel, behind Keontae Johnson on a team that went to the Elite Eight and made a lot of noise last year. So, I think um, you know Memphis is getting a guy that is continuing to to polish his game. Um, is a guy who's versatile, kind of fits Penny's system, right? Runs the floor, um, is switchable, can guard probably honestly one through five. On offense, can play you know on the wing because he can attack mismatches because you know he's six ten and there's guys that are not going to be uh, you know quick enough laterally to keep up with him there and there's you know uh, he has the ability also to play in the post because he's you know six ten and physical so yeah can do a multiple uh, variety of things there. Is this his last year of eligibility? It is okay. Yes. I, I, we're past the. I thought he was past the COVID stuff, but I uh, anymore I get confused on that. This be this be year five. I'm sorry, I said year four. So he played at a JUCO. Um, in the New York area, Monroe College, a smaller junior college, then played at Chipola for two years, okay. then K-State, and now at Memphis. This is year five for him in college. So they're, rent, they're renting a center, basically, which is all above board Absolutely. in this day and age. It's all above board. So with this, and whether this, I guess I assume it matters, but from what you understand, what you've been able to figure out, I know Penny keeps saying that Jordan Brown's still sick. <laughs> but what, what, what is that situation, and do you believe... This, I guess, just pin, opinion that we see him in a Memphis uniform again. I would, I would bet against it, but you know, crazier things have happened, right? Like there was a time last offseason where a lot of us betted, you know, would would have went out and said, you know, Malcolm isn't coming back, right, or whatever. We didn't think DeAndre had a chance of coming back initially in the early parts of the offseason in March and April. So crazier things have happened with Memphis basketball. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he were to return, but I, I wouldn't. I would bet against it is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say based on the stuff that I've been hearing behind the scenes and kind of where that thing stands now. But what are what are his options? And I, and I agree with you because I can't even imagine the pecking order with Tomlin if Brown's still on the team with Malco. I, I, I don't I don't see how that works. But what are his options? He he can't transfer again. He cannot transfer now. Can he just leave and try to go into the G League? I mean, they're already in season. I, I don't know how it all works, but I imagine he's getting some pretty decent NIL money. That would go down the sewer. Um, exactly. And that's, that's the thing, right? It's, um, you know, if he were to, let's say, go overseas, which I'm sure somebody would be interested. He's a seven-footer with, with great footwork and still an elite basketball oh, sure. player, no matter sure. what he showed here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, would an overseas contract be north of six figures? I'm not sure. I wouldn't think so. I wouldn't think that it would match his, you know, hefty NIL package. Um, don't know the exact numbers on what he got here at, at Memphis for NIL, but I know he's one of the top two, three earners, you know, on this basketball team. So that's part of it too. Like, does he come back and just kind of stick it out and say, Hey, let me just get, let me just get this check. Right. And then, you know, in what, three, four months here, once the season ends, then he can go overseas or do what he has to do from there. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because his role is going to be different. If he does come back to your point, Greg, you know, I think that starting spot is gone. 
You yeah. know, like you, oh, there's it, no question so, they're bringing this kid into play. But the thing is, Tomlin can play the three, four, and five, right? So you can do different things there. Play them together, possibly, possibly. But I or don't play think they, Malco with them. If they, I wouldn't play them together because okay. Tomlin's not the, the best yeah. shooter. He's a he's a you know he's a guy who can handle the ball and do different things on the wing. But he's not he's not somebody who's going to space the floor, right? No, so, but he could step out and hit a three every once in a he, while. He I mean, could. he has that ability. He could. But either way, whether okay. they play together, he comes off the bench. Jordan Brown's going to have a decreased role no matter what. And that role was already minimal, right? He was playing 14 minutes a game, I believe. Well, so, it, it, what, like, why did we get to this point? Because even after, I was just going to ask that. Even yep. after the, let's see, well, I guess it was after the Ole Miss game when he had the foul issues and he only played like six minutes in that game. Penny, after that game, talked about we have to get him going. He's got to be a double double guy. So it wasn't like, hey, we're giving up on this guy. Like we're there at that point. It seems like he's trying to figure out how we got to get this guy going. Right. So how are we? How did we? Why are we to this point that now suddenly Brown is gone? Yeah, it seemed to happen rather quickly. Obviously, <laughs> yes. right? Like there was the Ole Miss game. I think December what December second, where he played all of seven minutes, yeah. and even that was kind of interesting, right? Because he had those two quick fouls, but. Didn't have any more in the second half. They just chose not to play him because he was getting, you know, kind of cooked in yeah. the pick and roll, and you know wasn't really producing offensively. Um, you know, it's hard to say because you know Penny's been known to say one thing, yes. you know, to protect his players or protect his program, whatever it may be. But then other things are happening behind the scenes. So there's rumors out there, right? There are, yes. there are, and the fact that he's sticking with this Jordan Brown, you know, sick theory is is just <laughs> hilarious to me. But we know that Penny is going to always keep it where he protects and is loyal to his players. Even if it's a player that he knows that is probably not going to be a player that much longer, he still will protect that player. And you've got to respect that, absolutely. He, he's so sure. Look how loyal he is to Mikey Williams. He, he is a, <laughs> He's loyal to a fault, I always say, yep. but Penny's yep. always there. Because Penny's very... I'll be interested to see what he says today at the presser now with a bunch of different media there as opposed to doing one radio hit or a TV hit. And, right. It, it, and if anything has changed really over the last uh, 24 hours as well. But, you know, people are very, very curious to see. The conference, as we know, has Florida Atlantic and not much else. Doesn't mean that you won't get competitive games and it's conference play. Anything is possible. But these games coming up, this is when you can really use that inside play. You know, P.J. Hall and what he brings to the table for Clemson, these guys can go inside, they can go outside. And if you don't have this kid available, and if Brown really is not part of the team or is legitimately sick, which I don't think anybody believes, then you are you got Malco, and that and that's it. We know that Malco got into foul trouble last game. Right. He fouled out in, what, how much, 13 minutes, 14 minutes of playing time? 11 minutes. 11 minutes, time. there you go. Played exceptionally well. So, Had seven rebounds in those yeah. 11 minutes, which I think is, uh, you know, Right, right. Fantastic. But but, <laughs> but the time, but the timing absolutely would have been better. If this was two weeks ago. It just wasn't. That wasn't to be. Now Penny's thinking long, long range. He's thinking tournament, and I can have this guy, and he will be beneficial to the team when we play some of those teams that have big time big men. We know every year we see them in the tournament. When you go up against a Zach Eady who is a mountain of a man. You need something pretty solid in the yeah, middle. Hunter Dickinson, like Armando Baycott. This goes on and on of guys you could be matched up with, especially in the second round, if you're Memphis and at that 6-7 seed, right? And that's what Tomlin is, whereas Jordan Brown is just wants to stay away from physicality, it seems like. Yeah, and I didn't realize that was that was kind of his game. Like more I wouldn't even call finesse. it I wouldn't even call it finesse, because if you're a finesse big, you're stepping out to the three point line, yeah. right? And you're and you're taking guys on the wing and you're Good shooting point. those mid range jumpers. He wasn't doing any of that. So I don't know if it was uh more so the scheme 
which didn't fit, which I think is definitely a factor there, right? Memphis mm-hmm. likes to get up and yep. down. He plays better in the half court. Or if it was Jordan Brown not being in shape, it's hard to say it. You know, in all likelihood, probably kind of a combination of those factors. From when you, from people you've talked to or whatever, was there, from what you've gathered, was there any concern from the Memphis side with Tomlin with the issues he had at Kansas State and getting the fact that he was dismissed from that team? Yeah, I think that's the part that's unclear. Um, obviously, it was the president who chose to, you know, kind of overstep and dismiss mm-hmm. him. Um, there's been speculation that people in that athletic program, um, you know, the head coach included, right, like wanted to keep Naquan Tomlin on board. Um, but the president made that decision despite there being a diversion in his case. Yeah, so all we know right now is that he was involved in this bar fight late October. Um, there were no charges ultimately pressed. But the president, in his statement, if you if you read his open letter, his explanation, he said that, you know— the re- Other incidents. Exactly. He said something along the lines of the, the reporting that this is just about the fight that, you know, Naquan was involved in in October— um, is incorrect, meaning that there's more behind his decision than just that. He even said something along the lines of, you know, when we make these decisions, we look at the history of, of an athlete's um, experiences and interactions and behaviors. But he didn't, you know, he didn't go beyond that, obviously, and nothing's been made public beyond that. So you would hope Memphis did their due diligence here. Look, Penny wants to get the best players to have a chance to win a national championship. He wants to bring a national championship to the University of Memphis. He So he's going to get those players. But I also think he cares very much about the players, and he's willing to give players second and third chances. Look, guys that he's brought onto the team over the years, um, they're, they're not all saints, let's be honest here. But we have not, unless unless I'm uh, my memory is not serving me correctly, there haven't really been a lot of incidents with guys that have had maybe incidents before when they've come to Memphis. They seem to be... Doing what is asked of them. I mean, there's been you know things here or there. Right. Uh, maybe they're not happy with their playing time, or maybe families of those, those players get involved with things of that nature. But I don't think, as far as getting in trouble with the law and things of that nature, have, have happened that much, if at all, under uh, Penny's guidance. So I think he knows what he wants. He wants to get players in there to win a national championship, but he's also willing to give those pl- uh, those players an opportunity, a second chance. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, unless something crazy comes out that, you know, Tomlin did this or that or, you know, I don't want to speculate. But if something happened to the point where it was, you know, kind of irredeemable, which I don't I don't know. We don't know. Right. We don't know what happened right now. He's riding with Mikey Williams. (laughs) He shot into a car with a bunch of people. there. Yeah, no, that's 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 insane. Um, So, yeah, you, you never know. But I think, you know, to your point, Penny looks at the situation, looks at this roster and says, hey, like, this is a window right here, right now. Like the team he has, even without Naquan Tomlin, you know, is Sweet 16 level, right? Is a team that can get into that second weekend. Now you're adding a guy who, like we said already, was the third option on an Elite Eight team, kind of plays that similar role here, being the third option behind David Jones and Jaquan, uh, or Javon Quinterly, rather. So I think he sees that and says, hey, this is a, a good fit, and this is somebody that can get us um, over the top here and give us a real chance to, to make some noise in March. All right, we're running out of time, but Clemson. Saturday, Virginia, Tuesday. What are your expectations? I think they go one of two. Um, I think if they do go one of two, they'd, they'd be in good shape to accomplish their goal, you know, which has been, you know, publicly stated all, all season, all offseason, you know, to get out of that 8-9 slot and to get in a position where you're not having to go up against, you know, a Kansas or a Purdue, the number one overall seed, whatever, in that second weekend, or not second weekend, second game, rather. Um, I think that's very much in play. Now, if they win two and they, you know, finish the – 
the non-conference 11 and what, 11 and two at that point. Yeah. I think then you can, the sky's the limit then, right? You can, you can dream of a, you know, a, a top five seed um, in that case. But the, the issue really is like, this is it, you know, um, these two games are, are really all you have until late February when Florida Atlantic comes to FedEx forum in terms of resume builders and, and mm-hmm. stuff that's going to stand out to the committee. Um, but man, if they can, if they can get both, um, you know, like we said, anything's possible in that case. Make sure to read uh, all of Parth's great stories about the Tigers, but in particular, if you want to find out more about Naquan Tomlin, what Donnie Tyndall had to say, check it out at the Daily Memphian. Follow Parth on Twitter at, I'll spell it out for you, P-U-P-A-D-H-Y-A-Y-A underscore. Parth, as always, thank you so much for joining us. It was fun as always. Appreciate y'all. We appreciate it as well. Folks, if you're ready for a new Silverado All-Star Chevy right here in Olive Branch, has financing down to 1.9 or up to 10,000 cash, plus made no payment for 90 days, and your good credit deserves it. Check out all the red tag deals when you head on down to All-Star Chevrolet, including Tahoe's, Equinox, Trailblazers. Families love the Traverse with the third-row seats, so you can do more together. Christmas, holiday trips, What are you doing New Year's Eve? What are you driving? Check out all those great deals at All-Star Chevrolet. Military, teachers, college students, healthcare workers, you get an extra $500 bonus. If you want a certified pre-owned Chevy or any pre-owned, All-Star is loaded up with them. And if it's not there, just ask Jeff. He'll find it for you. Kevin and Jeff and everyone here at All-Star Chevy have asked me to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year on their behalf. Remember, it's not South Haven, not Mount Moriah, not Bartlett, not Collierville. It's got to be Olive Branch, Mississippi. Find new roads to All-Star Chevy today or go to allstarautogroup.com. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Diamonds are forever! Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been telling you a lot about uh, City Brew Tours, uh, which has come here to Memphis, which is an opportunity to go uh, take a little tour of some uh, local breweries. You meet down at the Peabody downtown, and then they you'll go tour three breweries. You get to sample beers. And uh, the folks at City Brew Tours, they want to sp- spread a little little holiday cheer. Or you could even say they want to spread a little holiday beer, because um, that's what they're doing. That's what it's all about. You get to sample the beers. They actually they give you some food. You Basically, you drink, they drive, which is a great way to work things out as far as that is concerned. Citybrewtours.com uh, slash Memphis is where you could go to buy tickets, sign up, all of this things, get all the details on those. But I've got a couple of free tickets, free passes for the City Brew Tours. You could take it whenever you want uh, and and set that all up and you and somebody else could go on one of these tours and check it out for yourselves. I will give two passes to caller number four at 360-8255, 360-8255. Caller number four, two passes for City Brew Tours Memphis. All you got to do is call in. You got an opportunity to go sample some beer this holiday season or whenever you want to go on one of these City Brew Tours. Caller number four, 360-8255. Sounds like a lot of fun, absolutely. So LeBron James is under fire for what he did when he entered uh, USC's arena during the national anthem. 
and he's made a lot of people upset, including UFC star Colby Covington. So James, for those of you who don't know, video surfaced of him entering USC's arena during the playing of the national anthem, and he immediately takes a seat while the anthem's going on. So Covington made some remarks on Wednesday night, last night, as he prepares to take on Leon Edwards in a welterweight ballot at UFC 296 this weekend. Covington said, <clears throat> if you hate America so much and you don't like this country that gave you a billion dollars, leave it or come deal with me. Go to China. Go to these sweatshops that you employ, all these laborers, and use these women and pay them pennies on the dollar to make your mil millions. F you, LeBron James. You're a coward. You're a spineless coward, and you're a B-word. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is one upset dude. Uh-huh. But other people responded by saying, we're still doing this? We're still protesting the anthem? We're still not standing for the anthem? We're still doing what happened with Kaepernick? I, I don't think he was doing it to protest the anthem, no. Yeah, I don't know. Has he responded to that? I he doesn't heard. have to, but I'm just curious if he has. I didn't see it. I haven't seen the video. Just reading this story. But there are a lot of upset people. I saw that yesterday on Twitter. We have our winner, by the way, for the uh, City Brew Tour passes. We will be giving away more uh, of those throughout the uh, the next couple weeks. So uh, stay tuned for that. Again, tonight it is Thursday Night Football. Chargers and the Raiders, 6.30 pregame. We'll have it for you right here on Sports 56, 98.5 FM. Saturday, there's three games. We'll have one of those games for you. Vikings at the Bengals at 11.30 a.m. But we're starting to get to that point where we see a bunch of those Saturday games, the NFL winding down, final four weeks of the regular season with a lot still at stake for many teams in the hunt for the postseason. Two hours in the books when we come back. It's all about the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. It's the AutoZone Liberty Bowl inside college football hour. We will be joined by Harold Grader, talk college football when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.